The Todd and Oz Show is live. Get in on the conversation at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Todd and Oz. It is 533 here on The Todd and Oz Show. We're so glad you chose to join us. I'm Todd Jeffries. He's Patrick Osborne, and you can join us at 512-836-0590. little caution out there. Got some thick, heavy fog slowing things down. And, uh, yeah, you could join us if you've got any traffic reports you'd like to share with the community at 512-836-0590. We always begin with the big stories. Half of all U.S. governors side with Texas in this border dispute over security. And he's leaving the country open to an invasion from illegal migrants. Uh, Governor Greg Abbott asserts Texas and the right to protect its own border after the U.S. Supreme Court ruled the Biden administration could take down that razor wire. Newsman John Stolness has the very latest developments in Washington, D.C. on how to address this growing problem. In a private meeting with Republican senators on Wednesday, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell reportedly told his colleagues they are in a quandary over moving forward as Trump has been lobbying Republicans in Congress to kill a border deal with Democrats in an effort to keep the issue front and center during the presidential campaign. Republican Senator Mitt Romney says this is a problem that needs to be solved, not punted. I think the border is a very important issue for uh, Donald Trump. Uh, and the fact that he would communicate to uh, Republican senators and Congress people that he doesn't want us to solve the border problem because he wants to blame uh, Biden for it is, uh, is really appalling. And Republican Senator Tom Tillis also angry at Trump's meddling. We are here. We've been elected. We have election certificates. When you have an opportunity to make this country safer, you take it and you don't play politics. The border deal is holding up the passage of a national security package supplemental, which would also send funds to Ukraine and Israel. On Fox News, Senator Josh Hawley was asked if Trump's involvement means the deal is now dead on arrival. Uh, I hope so. It should be. If it's not dead yet, it should be dead. I mean, there is absolutely no reason to agree to policies that will just further enable Joe Biden. However, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is still keeping the faith that negotiators can finish over the weekend and reach a compromise. And now, as we've seen over the past day, getting a bipartisan agreement on the supplement supplemental is very difficult. But I am glad that now negotiations are continuing to move forward. Of course, there are still issues that must be settled, but negotiators will work all weekend in an effort to get this done. Even if the Senate passes a deal, it is unlikely to even be brought to the floor of the House, a fact not lost on Republican Senator Rick Scott. We should not be voting for anything as Republicans in the Senate if the Republicans of the House House don't support it. A Harvard Caps Harris poll out this week found 35% of registered voters ranked immigration as the nation's top concern. Two in three voters said the problem is worsening under President Biden, but three quarters want the two sides to make a deal to increase border security. John Stolness, Washington. It is 536. There's a convoy of truckers, and they're planning rallies along border sites in Texas, California, and Arizona. The group is called Take Our Border Back. They say rallies are starting next week, and Texas Republican Congresswoman Beth Van Devine on the Fox Business Channel said, Bring those beautiful, huge semis, those 18-wheeler bad boys, down here to protect our border. They need to understand that this is not simply, you know, they can't sweep this under the rug. She says she stands with Governor Greg Abbott in his fights with the Biden administration over the razor wire, which the Supreme Court ruled unconstitutional. The Austin Police Department said it was searching for two suspects in connection with the shooting in South Austin. The APD says this shooting resulted in some serious injuries and may have been the result of a road rage incident. According to police, the shooting occurred on the 1300 block of West Ben White Boulevard, which is just east of Manshack Road. Now, at the scene, officers found a vehicle with two victims some gunshot wounds, including a child shot in the head. The APD said the victims were taken to the hospital. They're in stable condition. Here's a quote from the APD's investigation. They say the preliminary details reveal the victim's vehicle was cut off by a dark gray Volkswagen sedan occupied by two black males. And one of the suspects, who was a passenger of that Volkswagen, fired several gunshots into the victim's vehicle. The gunshots hit both victims, one adult occupant in the chest and a juvenile child in the head. Police say the suspect vehicle is described as an older model, dark gray Volkswagen sedan, similar to a Jetta. We do have more on this story on our website at newsradioklbj.com. 
Alabama executes Kenneth Eugene Smith, administered by nitrogen gas last night, becoming the first state in the U.S. to use this new method of execution. Alabama Department of Corrections Commissioner John Hamm says there was nothing out of the ordinary during the execution. Lawyers for Kenneth Eugene Smith called the execution by nitrogen gas experimental and argued to the U.S. Supreme Court that the execution of their client was unconstitutional. The high court, though, denied a request to stop the execution earlier this week. States across the country watching the Alabama case closely. Department of Corrections leaders in Oklahoma spoke with the Associated Press. Uh, at this time, it's, it's been in practice, and we want to see how well it works, how fast it works, and how efficient it is. So I think the nation, as far as uh, correctional entities, are watching this to see how, it, 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 see how it's done. Members of the media and family members of Smith's victim witnessed the execution. The state of Alabama started carrying out the execution of Kenneth Eugene Smith by nitrogen epoxia at the William C. Holman Correction Facility. John Hamm with the Alabama Department of Corrections. Smith was executed for the 1988 capital murder of Elizabeth Dorleen Senate in Culver County. Smith was pronounced deceased by physicians at 8.25 p.m. Central Standard Time. He said Smith's reaction was as expected. It appeared that one Smith was holding his breath as long as he could, and then uh, there's also information out there uh, he struggled against his restraints a little bit, but there's some involuntary movement and some agonal breathing. So uh, that was all expected and is in the uh, side effects that we've seen or researched. Smith's last words, tonight Alabama causes humanity to take a step backwards. I'm leaving with love, peace and light. I'm Clayton Neville. It is 540. His name is Matthias Segura. He is the new Austin School District superintendent. He's been on the job as a temporary capacity for more than a year, leading the school district of 73,000 students. Vote is unanimous. Thank you. Looks like we've got a new superintendent. Segura steps into the position as a district judge. Uh, district juggles several weighty needs, including funding constraints, continue the post-pandemic academic recovery, and the rollout of $2.4 billion in bond money, and state oversight of the district's chronic special needs education shortcomings. The future of electric vehicles is making its way to Central Texas School District. Yesterday, the Austin Independent School District unveiled its first fleet of electric buses. The new additions were introduced along with U.S. Representative Lloyd Doggetts, the mayor of Austin as well, Kirk Watson, highlighting the district's goal of all 551 buses in the fleet to be electric by the year 2035. Austin-based electric vehicle manufacturer Tesla has announced $600,000 in donations to Dell Valley ISD to pay for training equipment for the Early College High School's Gigafactory P-Tech Manufacturing Studio. Yeah, for the past few years, Tesla's been working with the district to prepare students to walk into sought-after jobs in the industry. Through the Manufacturing Development Program, 144 students in the Dell Valley ISD have gotten full-time positions at the Tesla Gigafactory here in Austin. Del Valley Superintendent Dr. Annette Teal. A student in Del Valley ISD can go into the workforce and we have trained them for any career that they want and they have it at their fingertips. Many of the uh, pieces of equipment that we will have will mirror what is at the Gigafactory at Tesla. It's giving our students that authentic opportunity to truly learn the craft of manufacturing and engineering. Tesla's new donation will fund the purchase of equipment for the district's manufacturing studio so students can receive important and relevant training while in the school. KVU reports the studio is still under construction, but with a new donation from Tesla, the district plans to open it for the fall semester, August this year, with about 500 students. It is 542. Stay close. Traffic and your forecast next. The Todd and Oz Show. Welcome back. It is 547 here at KLBJ, and you can jump in anytime you want. At 512-836-0590. As some of the Republican Party say they're ready to, uh, well, they're ready for the race to be over and declare the former president, Donald Trump, to be the presumptive nominee. A draft resolution proposed to the Republican National Committee by some of its members declares former President Trump the presumptive GOP nominee in the 2024 race for president. Its chief sponsor worked with the Trump campaign back in 2016. The resolution comes after RNC Chair Ronna McDaniel said this on Fox news after the New Hampshire primary. Looking at the math and the path going forward, and I don't see it for Nikki Haley. 
A Haley campaign spokesperson said, who cares what the RNC thinks? They also announced Thursday afternoon that they'd raised over a million dollars since the former president posted on his social media account that if anyone donates to Haley's campaign, they are, quote, barred from the MAGA camp. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. Former President Donald Trump and former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley exchanging a war of words, if you will, following the New Hampshire primaries. Here's more from newsman Mike Emanuel checking in from our nation's capital. Former President Trump is now threatening rival Nikki Haley's donors, warning on his true social they, quote, will be permanently barred from the MAGA camp. Haley fired back on X. Well, in that case, donate here. Let's go. Trump's attacks also getting very personal. One of the biggest donors to Nikki Haley's campaign is this slob known as Reid Hoffman. LinkedIn co-founder Reid Hoffman, a traditional Democratic donor, reportedly won't give more to Haley unless she can demonstrate a path to victory. Another big Haley donor is publicly saying it is over for her this cycle, arguing New Hampshire was a must win. Meanwhile, Haley, as she claims that she's raised more than $2 million since the New Hampshire primary. It is 549. The Pentagon says the U.S. will have more of its presence in Iraq amid the ongoing threats in the Middle East. Securing America. Officials from the United States and Iraq will soon begin talks concerning continued American military presence in Iraq. During a briefing Thursday, Pentagon Deputy Press Secretary Sabrina Singh listed the key issues the talks will focus on. The threat from ISIS operational and, and environmental requirements, and the Iraqi security forces capability levels. Singh says making sure that the ISIS terrorist group cannot regenerate as a more forceful threat is paramount to deciding how the American-Iraqi coalition moves forward. We want to make sure that the threat that we saw 10 years ago is not the same threat that we face today. And Singh added that the meetings are not about the withdrawal of American personnel, or in Iraq at that government's invitation. This is about the future and making sure that um, Iraq is set up for success and defending its own national security and sovereignty and how the U.S. can support Iraq in doing that. Kevin Uretsky, Fox News. The Todd and Oz Show. Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Welcome, John. How are you? Hey, I'm doing really well, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, so with the Industrial Revolution, there are bots out there right now writing sports articles uh, that are writing music that's indistinguishable from what a person can do. It's not just creative endeavors. It's brain surgery. It's all kind of things. And it's going to completely change the way that we have to look at commerce. I don't think it'll be positive in the short term. I think that people are going to have to adapt and figure out what we're going to do next. But I mean, as a fan of Star Trek, I think that the promise of the 24th century is very much alive when we can really focus on being human and moving away from traditional capitalism. We have enough resources to feed and clothe and give water to everyone. It's just a matter of logistics and with ops to help do us, we? Wow. we can do all that stuff. That's a well, big wait, step hold on. there, If bots. nobody's working and paying taxes, how do we have that money yeah. to keep that going? Do we need money to pay for things that we already have? I mean, here's the thing. We move to farms and we go back to an agrarian society where we really are in, in engaging in the things that we love to do, not just working for a paycheck. Um, I don't I mean, like I to farm. Hold on there. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's controversial, right? But, I mean, think about the Industrial Revolution. We used to have people labor to create bottles to bottle goods, and then we created machines to do it for us. And I think that a lot of accountants might wake up one day and realize that there is a robot, there's a, an application that can do their job and never be sick, never miss a day, and never have a bad day because they're going through a divorce. How does that work with the Green New Deal where they want to get rid of cows? We're going to have to have cows for our food, if that's what you're talking about. Oh, gosh, I hope not. You hope we don't have to have cows for food? What? I hope, I know, I hope we don't get rid of cows. Oh, I good. would be so sad. Every afternoon, 2 to 4, on News Radio KLBJ. 552, and welcome back to News Radio KLBJ. Probes into General Motors' autonomous vehicle company continue after an accident that critically injured a pedestrian. GM's cruise self driving car unit reveals the Justice Department and the Securities and Exchange Commission are investigating an October accident in San Francisco where one of its robo taxis dragged a pedestrian after they'd been hit by another car. 
The incident leading to accusations of a cover-up and the startup's license to operate the fleet in California being suspended. Crews sharing the results of a third-party investigation, which calls out missteps, including a failure of leadership and a misunderstanding of regulatory requirements and expectations, but did not find that reps intended to deceive or mislead regulators. Crews adding it accepts the conclusions and is fully cooperating with state and federal investigations. Kristen Goodwin, Fox News. And with a look at Friday business, here is Jessica Edinger. Wall Street opens this morning after a winning day yesterday for stocks unless you own Tesla. Those shares tanked, but the S&P 500 index closed at yet another record high. It's sixth day in a row, also a record for the NASDAQ 100. Shares of T-Mobile and Intel fell in after-hours trading yesterday on disappointing quarterly results after the closing bell. Tesla shares dropped 12% yesterday, down 26% year-to-date after it warned of weaker sales. Look, if you were an investor and you listened to that call, there's very little in there that gives you optimism heading into 2024. Tesla shares worst day since 2020. CNBC's Phil LeBeau. Paramount Global's CEO announced job cuts. Paramount owns Paramount Movies, CBS News, and cable channels. There are reports Skydance Media may be working to buy the company and take it private. Meantime, Microsoft announced nearly 2,000 job cuts yesterday. The U.S. economy growing at a blistering pace, 3.3% last quarter. That was the first read on fourth quarter GDP, gross domestic product. Some are calling this a Goldilocks economy. It's just right. Continually throughout the year, we have had strong growth, and in this case, stronger growth than expected, and inflation numbers that have been coming down. Look at the inflation numbers. They remain at 2%. Inflation continues to be well-behaved. CNBC senior economics reporter Steve Leesman. Both Alaska and United have been cleared to allow their fully inspected 737 MAX 9 jets to fly today. After the door panel blew out of one owned by Alaska four weeks ago mid-flight, American Airlines doesn't own any MAX 9s. But the company reported strong quarterly results, and then we asked the CEO if he's taking the Boeing Maxes out of the fleet planning. Look, we have 20 uh, Max 8s that are planned for uh, delivery this year. And on that front, you know, they're already in, in production, so I don't think that we'll be impacted by this. But look, when it comes to Boeing, they've got to get their act together. They have to produce a, a quality product. It's just essential. The American Airlines CEO also basically did a commercial selling plane tickets during the interview. It's going to be a busy summer, busy, busier than last year, and we're set and primed, ready to go. And look, I think the, the time to buy is, is right now for travel. It's going to be a busy year. American Airlines CEO Robert Isom on CNBC. On today's watch list, we get the latest on inflation. It's the PCE, personal consumption expenditures. Earnings are coming from American Express, Norfolk Southern, and Colgate. New in theaters, MGM's The Underdogs, and in some theaters on Sunday, MGM's The Wizard of Oz, back on the big screen to mark the film's 85th birthday. That is Jessica Edinger reporting. The CEO of Boeing continues to talk with D.C. lawmakers this week. As we hear from Fox Business reporter Grady Trimble in our nation's capital. Boeing CEO Dave Calhoun stops on the Hill this week. Could be just the beginning for him. The Senate Commerce Committee wants to have him back, but next time for a hearing, they want to hold that hearing after the NTSB releases its initial findings into what went wrong when that plug flew off that Alaska Airlines flight midair. Alaska and United say they're looking to get the MAX 9 planes they already have back in the skies as early as next week. They've got to finish required inspections first. Several major airlines say they're expecting fewer deliveries of MAX planes after the FAA says it won't let Boeing expand production of them. It is 5.56. Fox on 10. Apple seems to be ready to let people use different browsers on their iPhones. The tech giant this week released an iOS upgrade to version 17.3, but 17.4 is due to come in March, and when it does, it is going to allow European users to run non-Apple-based web browsers. iPhone users are used to Apple's Safari browser on their phone, and even the iOS versions of Firefox and Google Chrome are really using the software guts of Apple's browser called WebKit. But now that the EU law requires phone makers to allow users to uninstall pre-installed apps, Apple is allowing for Chromium-based browsers, the Google framework behind Chrome and other browsers like Microsoft Edge. U.S. users won't have this freedom just yet, but just as the EU forced Apple to adopt USB-C charging, it is possible American iPhone fans could benefit one day from this change, too. With Fox on Tech, 
I'm Eben Brown, Fox News. The Todd and Oz Show. The Todd and Oz Show is live. Get in on the conversation at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Todd and Oz. Come on, get in here. This treehouse of love at 512-836-0590. I'm Todd Jeffries. He's Patrick Osborne. And Isaac, our producer, of course, is here. And, uh, yeah, you can join us anytime you want. We're here till 10. And, well, let's uh, let's get started. We've got so much to get to. Let's um, let's just dive into the big story, the big national story, this this border crisis, this this immigration, this illegal immigration standoff between the state of Texas uh, and, uh, well, the federal government. Uh, you know, it's just it just seems more and more as if the United States government is using the cartels in a proxy war against the United against the people of Texas. Well, That's it, the way it feels. It, it certainly appears the White House and, and the federal government is not on the side of the state of Texas right now. That is true. They, they are actively working very hard against Texas. And then when you consider all the uh, you know all the, all the danger that's coming across that border when it comes to crime and when it comes to drugs. Yeah, the cartel's at war with Texas, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get more from reporter Brooke Singman. Instead of giving control of the border back to federal agents, Texas is installing even more razor wire. Now, 25 Republican governors are siding with Abbott, signing a joint statement in support of Texas. South Dakota's Christy Nome is one of them, and she is heading to the border. I am willing to send National Guard down there to stand alongside. And while Texas invokes its constitutional right to defend itself, the White House is refusing to say if Biden is considering federalizing the state's National Guard. And of course, when it comes to resources, border funding is still tied up as Republicans and Democrats struggle to find a compromise on spending. Now, the southern border saw a record 300,000 illegal migrant uh, encounters just in the month of December alone. The numbers have dropped a little bit in the month of January, but uh, it's definitely colder and wetter and that sort of right, thing. Right, right, and that makes sense. And those numbers are going to pick up come summertime for sure. And only, only a matter of months. It warms up quick around here. Here is State Attorney General Ken Paxton. I guarantee you he's going to stand strong. He'll keep putting razor wire up. We'll keep blocking the border. We'll keep doing everything that we need to do to protect our state, despite the fact that this ruling, this Supreme Court ruling was so wrong. Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, he's worried about this ending in violence. The biggest mistake the Biden administration could make would be confronting law enforcement or our military, our National Guard, at our border, at this park, when we're actually doing the job that the American people want. Yeah. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick there in a Fox interview. Yesterday morning, we were talking a little bit about how there were, you know, just five, maybe seven states that uh, had you know, pledged to to stand alongside Texas in this fight. Yeah. That, by the end of the day, had grown to 25 states. Uh, so half half the state governors have pledged their support for Texas in this in this fight with the federal government over over the border here. And you know, you've got some legal experts saying Greg Abbott is doing exactly what he needs to do here because you know, like we pointed out yesterday, that there, at no point has there been a ruling that's come down from the Supreme Court that says Texas cannot put up. The razor wire. That's right. It just says the Border Patrol can cut the razor wire. That's right. So on on that argument, nobody's defying the law here in Texas. The question's going to be when that ruling, if that ruling does come down that says, Texas, you can no longer, you cannot put up razor wire. We'll see what Abbott does then. Republican Chip Roy from the Hill Country. House Republicans have got to stop funding the government that is at war with the people. And Senate Republicans have got to stop trying to cut a deal that has no chance of passage uh, through the House and no chance of actually securing the border. Yeah, he's talking about this border deal, this uh, this compromise on border security. And we know that the, that the Biden administration is a different perspective when it comes to border security. Right. They use the same words, but they have a different meaning, uh, depending on if you're a Democrat or a Republican. Right. And uh, and there's in, in some rumblings. I don't know this for sure, but there's some rumblings that I mean, of course, this is a campaign issue. Right. Of course, this is a campaign issue. It's going to be debated all summer long. Well, there's actually some talk. I've heard some rumblings from the Mitt Romney's of the world that Donald Trump does not want this problem solved yet. He wants it to be a campaign issue leading into November and a change in policy now may eliminate the problem by the time November gets here. I don't know if that's a true, uh, you know, argument that's being made in there, you know, on the campaign trail. But we'll jump in at 512-836-0590. Here's Republican Chip Roy again. The fact of the matter is we're still allowing thousands to pour into our country. 
because they're just going around the razor wire and coming into ports of entry and other places. And the Biden administration is using parole and asylum to dump them into our country, which is upending our security, empowering cartels and allowing fentanyl and bad actors to come in between the ports of entry. Yeah. We definitely have war casualties, right? Oh, we absolutely do. I mean, we, we've, we've got them here in our own our own community. Death you know, and sovereignty. Children. Yeah, we've had a lot of death and a lot of uh, sovereignty has been lost. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this is... Uh, uh, this is one of those things that, you know, you talk about Donald Trump not wanting this problem solved. That's I, what Mitt Romney accused. That's, that's what Mitt Romney is saying. It, 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 Donald Trump is the problem with the border now, he oh, says. okay, I got you. All right. Yeah. Well, I, I think that even, let's just say that the border was miraculously solved. Everyone was happy. At the end of the day, we all go to bed tonight. Everyone in the nation is happy with whatever happened to them, right? There's still plenty of other issues Donald Trump can run a presidential campaign on, uh, not just the border. There are... I mean, throw a dart at something, you'll hit a, you'll hit an issue that's a campaign, you know, a campaign issue this year. Still got approaching nine million in the country legally, right? That's right. Listen, there's a convoy of truckers that are uh, starting to rally across this country. Uh, they're planning to uh, to meet at border sites in uh, California, Arizona, and Texas. You maybe have seen their website and seen them on social media. They call themselves "Take Our Border Back." Take our border back. They got a website. They got a calendar of events. And more and more truckers are joining this this massive convoy. Uh, Texas Republican Congresswoman Beth Van Devine uh, was on the Fox Business Channel. Bring those beautiful, huge semis, those 18-wheeler bad boys down here to protect our border. They need to understand that this is not simply, you know, they can't sweep this under the rug. Yeah, yeah she says she stands with Governor Greg Abbott in his fights against the Biden administration of the razor wire, which the Supreme Court says, you, you know, the Border Patrol could take it down. Anytime they want. Right. But here we go. More razor wire being installed. Lines have been drawn in the sand. And today's another deadline uh, for uh, the Texas National Guard to allow the border or the Border Patrol and the feds to come into Shelby Park or else. Yeah, the Biden administration drawing another line in the sand. Well, I hope the uh, I hope the White House isn't holding its breath that, that uh, you know, Texas is going to let the Border Patrol in there because uh, I got news for you. It ain't happening. Sorry. Sorry, Joe. Yeah. Texas is not going to let you in there. It is uh, 612 here at KLBJ. The Todd and Oz Show. 616 here on the Todd and Oz Show. Yeah, you can join us at 512-836-0590. The vice president of uh, the United States, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, she's got some big-time concerns this morning, and, and she wanted to share it with the community. Okay. She's concerned that, well, one of her biggest concerns in life right now is that if Donald Trump does become the next president, that he might weaponize the Department of Justice and go after his political enemies. <laughs> <laughs> November of, of, of 2024, binary. And on the other side, you've got... Someone who has said that if he were back in office, he would weaponize the Department of Justice. Someone who has openly applauded insurrectionists as patriots. Someone who has said that they will go after their political enemies and and applauds dictators, indicating that he would be one. So let's be really clear about what's at stake. And then, yes, of course, there is then a desire that let's get out there because we can't lose this democracy. We can't. (laughs) November of of, of 2024. (laughs) There you go. That's uh, that's pretty rich. That's rich, man. Uh, you know, and and you know what I I, I would tell Kamala Harris because you know uh, she listens. She's listening. Yeah, she's a big listener. We get emails from her all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I would tell her to go ahead and get used to this because you guys help create. You, you guys help set this whole ball in motion. And I would I would I would say you have every right to be afraid because you know this whole tit for tat thing is is what we're is, this is what we are now in the United States what, of America. This is how it's going to be. What administration would use the Department of Justice to go out after political enemies? Who would do that? Who would do such a thing? Now I'm hoping if Donald Trump wins, because we know it won't be Nikki Haley. Uh, that won't be the case. I'm hoping that he'll have better things to do than, than you know, try a bunch of tit for tat, you know, weaponizing the Department of Justice uh, in favor of 
that that's not okay. No oh, matter no, who's I, doing I, it, I think the current know? administration has committed crimes against the people. I, 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 a lot of arguments to be made for that. I, yeah. I think some investigations do need to happen. Absolutely. But weaponizing it huh? in, in that context, as she's putting it, wouldn't be okay with that. But I don't expect that to happen. But I do expect a tit for tat. They're going to go after you. Don't they hate, will come after you. Don't hate the player, right? Hate That's the right. game. That's, That's right. right. You know what I'm saying? Let's, let me see. Let me see. Uh, uh, North Austin, Troy, T-Roy. Uh, good morning on hey, the Titan. Yeah, go ahead. What's up? Hey, guys. Sorry. I, hey, you know what? I, I figured America, Texas brings in a lot of money for our government. And uh, how are we not able to sue the federal government for getting in our way uh, on the border here? Oh, we got to, there's many lawsuits. Uh, Kent Paxton's involved in at least three or four that I know of involving the buoys, the razor wire, uh, the, the the processing and the parole process of, of you know, of a remain in, uh, in a Mexico policy, things like that. Yeah, there's there's a couple of lawsuits that are making their way through the system. Yeah. So they, I have one more thing. They This party, the left party, seems to be the party of gaslighting. And it seems like everything they do. It's for years now. They will literally do it and then say that the right is doing it after they've already done it. Yes. And and at what point are we just to assume that they just want us to revolt? That's what they want us to do. They are pushing us into a corner, and we can't do that, you know, because that's Christmas. We shouldn't do that. Oh, listen, but listen, Troy, I, I, I truly believe that uh, there are some on the progressive left that would love for some they would love for somebody to lose their top and and do a, a January 6th thing again they oh, yeah. they would love That's to incite some kind of uh some kind of incident they would love that that would be seized upon would, very quickly it would fall right into their hands yeah. right into their media lap right they love that yeah there's got to be another way there's got to people got to come to Christ for something because this is really getting out of hand here and I just hope everyone has a good day I like that Troy thank hey, you thank man. you very much appreciate sure. you checking in it is uh it is at 620 here at KLBJ. Listen, uh, it's a horrible story out of South Austin this week. Yeah, the Austin Police Department, they say that they're searching for two suspects in connection with the shooting in South Austin. We don't have a whole lot to go on on here either. No. Yeah, the APD says the shooting resulted in some serious injuries. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure why this is not a bigger story. A child was shot in the head in a road rage incident. Mm hmm Remember the story we had a road rage incident uh, well, just a few months ago and a woman lost her life in a shooting? Remember that? Yep, yep, yep. Man. Well, anyway, according to police, this happened on the 1300 block of West Ben White Boulevard, east of Manshack, uh, Monday. And at the scene, officers, they found a vehicle with two victims with gunshot wounds, uh, a woman shot in the chest, or at least an adult shot in the chest, and then a child shot in the head. Hmm. Wow. This and this happened in it, 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 it wasn't late at night or and this is 5:30 in the evening, you know, rush hour right there on on Ben White. Uh and from what I understand uh, the car with the victims in it they they apparently cut off the other car. So the car that was cut off the passenger in there his his he decided to I'll just this is this is worth shooting you over. And so he opens fire on this car and and two people are hit including a child. Here's here's a quote from uh the, uh, the investigative report here, it says that the police report, preliminary investigation revealed the victim's vehicle was cut off by a dark gray Volkswagen and it was occupied by two black males. It's not a whole lot of a description to go on there. Uh, one of the suspects in the passenger seat, they're saying it's a Volkswagen or a Jetta vehicle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just opened fire in the victim's vehicle, hitting an adult occupant in the chest and that child in the head. And they're in stable condition. They're going to be okay is what we're being told. But surely there's some surveillance oh. video of this, right? I, I would think so. I mean, there, there are cameras up and down Ben White and well, spots. They, well, they say the uh, the suspect vehicle is described as an older model, dark gray Volkswagen sedan, maybe a Jetta. Right. Is what they're saying. So I, I was wrong, and I, I'd initially thought that, that they somehow cut off the Volkswagen, which then got mad and started shooting. It sounds like the Volkswagen cut off the victims and then shot at them. Man. That's what the police report says. Right, right, according to the police report. Man, that's some real cartel behavior, isn't it? Mm. I mean, it, it just goes to show that, uh, you know, <laughs> it's dangerous out there, and, you know, no, no matter where you are. But the fact that I a mean, child it, was hit in the head, the, the fact that this is not a bigger story, you know. Does, I, I put this in the same category as the machete attacker, right? Just a shocking story. Just out of the blue, unprovoked, no reason. Mm. Gunfire, a child shot, a mother shot. Very similar to the, you know, the hacking story involving really? Seth Guy. Just, just senseless. 
And I guess at last report they were hospitalized, but but they've survived their injuries yeah. in one way or another. Hope I mean that poor kid, man, oh man. gunshot wound to the head. All right, jump in here five one two eight three six zero five ninety here on the Todd and Oz show. You know we were talking earlier this week, and we've had stories that have popped up over the past year or so, maybe longer, about military recruiting problems. Just can't keep up with the demand. Yeah, you know what I mean. The yeah. the numbers are incredibly low. Which is, which is kind of weird because we just came off of an incredible uh, 20-year voluntary war, right? You know, all-volunteer war. And it's just amazing how, how things have changed, right? Things have changed. And I thought it was pretty interesting. Well, go ahead. What were you going to say about some of the numbers? We had a story uh, yesterday about some of the recruiting numbers that are just have plummeted. And the, and the U.S. military is trying to figure out, you know, how to fix it and that sort of thing. Uh, and, and this is at a, at a recent uh, Heritage Foundation uh, gathering. And uh, well, I take that back. This was at the World Economic Forum, where this uh, this panel was having a discussion about military aid and assistance and that sort of thing. And a retired Green Beret um, was explaining why we have a recruiting problem. Other countries are concerned. Mm. Other countries that we protect are concerned about uh, young American men and women volunteering to join the military. They're mm. concerned that we are, have dwindling numbers. Their security depends on it, right? So this is a discussion at the World Economic Forum. Go ahead. No, well, they, they, I mean, they should be concerned. I, I, and because there was there was a report out also just this week showing that uh, for the second year in a row, uh, the U.S. military has actually been ranked as weak and warned that lack of an af- any action could leave the armed forces incapable of, de- of defending vital American interests. And so th- think, this is a big concern. I think you could put this right in the, la- right in the lap of the Democrat Party, the woke agenda. And that's not my words. That's what a retired Green Beret had to say uh, during a panel discussion on this issue. When Biden put his hand on the Bible and swore in three years ago, he inherited the most battle-hardened military the United States has ever seen. We fought a 20-year continuous war with an all-volunteer military, and that wasn't on accident. People actually trusted the United States of America after 9-11, an entire generation was galvanized to go and fight. I did quite a few combat deployments. I don't really know many GWAT veterans that just did one or two. Most of us were repeat offenders. And so what Biden has done in the last three years has been nothing short of absolutely destructive, but also spectacular. The first thing he did when he came in was he said, hey, you guys have been fighting for the last 20 plus years. I don't trust you. I think if you voted for the other guy, you might be a Nazi or a white supremacist. And we have to do this extremist stand down. And then the vaccine mandate. Hey, take this shot or we'll kick you out of the military. And then we watched Afghanistan implode under his incompetence. And as General Kellogg said, no one was held accountable for that. So if you mix all three of those things together in a very short amount of time with everything else that's happening in our society, but then also coming out of 20 years of us losing these wars and not being any better off for it. Like, what did we get from Afghanistan? What did we get from Iraq? I mean, right now we're funding the exact same militias that are shooting at our troops in Iraq and in Syria. It's absolute insanity. So if you're a young man or young woman joining the military, first you're you're confronted with the fact there's a really good chance that the apparatus you're volunteering for might actually hate your gut. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting perspective there from a retired Green Beret. I, I don't hold, I don't totally disagree, but but I mean to be fair, you can't you can't pin it all on on say this administration when the war in Afghanistan and Iraq. George Bush was wildly unpopular with Democrats know, because get, of that. And, I get that, you yeah. know, and and I think a lot of kids grew up in that era. He kind of touched on that, but you know. Uh, being taught that no, you don't want to fight for this military. Look at look at these unjust wars that your nation fights, and, sure. you know, in these and these poor countries over there. Uh, so I think it, you know it really was a slow burn over the over the Bush administration into the Obama years, and then I really think I think it's up. been the nail in the coffin. This mm-hmm. this guy in the White House, yeah, now. it really uh, it got woke is what it happened, yeah. and, and real quick over the past uh, three years, yeah. Yeah, especially the side that if if you voted for the other guy and maybe you fly a flag at home and you happen to be in the military. You're kind of seen as an extremist. 512-836-0590. The Todd and Oz Show. Welcome back, Todd Jeffries and Patrick Osborne. 512-836-0590. A little more than half of the U.S. governors are siding with Texas Governor Greg Abbott in this dispute against the federal government on how to protect the border. Uh, and uh, and Governor Greg Abbott uh, is still installing and erecting more uh, razor wire. Uh, the Biden administration uh, has has drawn the line in the sand. Give the Border Patrol access to Shelby Park in Eagle Pass by today, the end of the day, or else. Uh, newsman John Stolness, 
He checks in with us with the very latest developments from Washington uh, when it comes to addressing this border crisis. In a private meeting with Republican senators on Wednesday, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell reportedly told his colleagues they are in a quandary over moving forward as Trump has been lobbying Republicans in Congress to kill a border deal with Democrats in an effort to keep the issue front and center during the presidential campaign. Republican Senator Mitt Romney says this is a problem that needs to be solved, not punted. I think the border is a very important issue for uh, Donald Trump. Uh, and the fact that he would communicate to uh, Republican senators and Congress people that he doesn't want us to solve the border problem because he wants to blame uh, Biden for it is, uh, is really appalling. And Republican Senator Tom Tillis also angry at Trump's meddling. We are here. We've been elected. We have election certificates. When you have an opportunity to make this country safer, you take it and you don't play politics. The border deal is holding up the passage of a national security package supplemental, which would also send funds to Ukraine and Israel. On Fox News, Senator Josh Hawley was asked if Trump's involvement means the deal is now dead on arrival. Uh, I hope so. It should be. If it's not dead yet, it should be dead. I mean, there is absolutely no reason to agree to policies that will just further enable Joe Biden. However, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is still keeping the faith that negotiators can finish over the weekend and reach a compromise. And now, as we've seen over the past day, getting a bipartisan agreement on the supplement supplemental is very difficult. But I am glad that now negotiations are continuing to move forward. Of course, there are still issues that must be settled, but negotiators will work all weekend in an effort to get this done. Even if the Senate passes a deal, it is unlikely to even be brought to the floor of the House, a fact not lost on Republican Senator Rick Scott. We should not be voting for anything as Republicans in the Senate if the Republicans of the House don't support it. A Harvard Caps Harris poll out this week found 35% of registered voters ranked immigration as the nation's top concern. Two in three voters said the problem is worsening under President Biden, but three quarters want the two sides to make a deal to increase border security. John Stolnes, Washington. And, uh, and a texter pointed this out. Uh, it, it's just unbelievable that any Republican would listen to Mitt Romney. I know. That's what a texter points out. And that's, that's yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I, Mitt Romney is, is, is certainly not an ally, I think, of, of this modern Republican Party. How do you see this unfolding? Because uh, the tension continues to build. People are pissed. Yeah. I mean, people have just, you know, just they're, they're at their wits end on this issue. Uh, how do you see this unfolding? I don't see Governor Greg Abbott giving in. No, I don't either. Well, I mean, not not at this point. He's he's taken this too far. My biggest question is if a ruling comes down that says you cannot erect razor wire, at what point? You know, what will his next move? Because no one said that yet. They just said the border control can cut can cut down what you've put up. Well, let's let's answer one first big question, and and I and I know the answer. I, I know the answer. I know what people are going to say on both sides of the aisle on this issue. Is this an invasion? 512-836-0590. Is this an, ev- an invasion? And if you think it is an invasion, I think it is. And the federal government says you cannot protect Texans from an invasion? What does that mean? Mm. 512-836-0590. Uh, Ron DeSantis, who's now out of the race, the Florida governor, he's, uh, he's kind of highlighting some of these issues. Biden is going after Texas, saying that they must remove fortifications from their border. They put wire, they put things to keep people out. Uh, Biden's saying you got to take that down to let people come in illegally, which is just crazy. And I remark that if the Constitution was originally understood to mean that a state could not protect itself against an invasion, that the federal government could force a state to allow an invasion, the Constitution would have never been ratified in the first place. Texas would have never joined the Union when it did. Uh, And if you look at Federalist 46, which uh, uh, Daniel Horowitz pointed out, uh, James Madison talks about uh, situations where federal encroachment can be mitigated uh, by by state action. So you have Texas here uh, that's holding its ground. They have every right to fortify the border vis-a-vis an invasion, and that's Article One, Section Ten of the Constitution. Uh, so so they're in the right. 
you also have a situation where liberal jurisdictions over many, many years have been sanctuary jurisdictions against enforcing federal immigration law. So you'll have somebody who's a criminal alien, they will not be given uh, over to ICE, and they will deliberately act to frustrate the laws on the books, and somehow that's viewed as okay. You have Texas, who's acting to enforce the laws on the books, to ensure that they have a secure state and that we have a secure country. Uh, so, so all of this is just nonsense, what Biden's doing. Uh, Texas has every right to stand its ground. We've in Florida, we've been sending people to help uh, for, for many years now because we understand it's not just a Texas issue. It's ultimately an American issue. And if we don't have sovereignty in this country, uh, then we're not going to be a country anymore. So, so they have every right to hold their ground, uh, to stay, stay the course. And Florida will continue to be there uh, helping out every step of the way. There you go. That's uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on uh, social media overnight. Uh, jump in at 512-836-0590. He's, uh, he's absolutely right. You know, as are, as is anyone who says that Texas has the right here to, to defend its its borders. And I think he's probably correct, too, that if, if someone had said, listen, Texas, you're joining the union here, but... Uh, if one day we tell you you can't defend yourself, you're just going to have to put up with it and deal with it. Texas has been like, well, sorry, we're going to go ahead and stay the way we've been. Here's the thing that, that, that most people aren't realizing. The cartels, they see this as a war. We're trying to stop their business. They see it as a war. They're preparing for a war. The right. cartels are, right? They're heavily trained. They, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've got a lot of hardware, too. And they're here. Mm -hmm. uh, Blake in South Austin this morning. Blake, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Great. What's on your mind? Uh, I was just going to ask, have y'all actually heard what's in the bill that they're saying Trump is lobbying against? Uh, a few things, including the uh, the work visas and the number that could flow into the country and the hiring of asylum, uh, you know, see, uh, the judges to oversee these parole hearings, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think I heard 5,000 per day. Yeah. That's, I think that's 6 million uh, extrapolated for Biden's term right now, and previously it was nine million. So, two thirds is not is not something that we need to uh, compromise on. No, I'm with you, man. Absolutely, I hear what you're saying. Let's see. Uh, uh, Ray is checking in from Pflugerville this morning. Ray, what's on your mind? Yeah. Well, I was just agreeing. Uh, told your screener that I agree with that it's an invasion, and I don't see any different than, for example, the White House. They have military, they have Secret Service around there, and even it us as citizens that we want to approach them they wouldn't just let us in and if we insisted and we showed up in mass they'd probably shoot us so it's no different than posting ourselves up as citizens along the border now in versus the cartel i have a lot of relatives in mexico so i'm in the military and i've seen websites that these cartels have to show how they punish and what they do to people and young worried if we're worried about the Middle Eastern people shop, chopping heads off, right across the border, there's individuals that are do more heinous oh. horrible things to their own people. No doubt about it, Ray. Ray, Ray. I've, I've seen documentaries that ISIS learned how to do what they do by watching the cartels. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I, I know what you're talking about, yeah. It's and wild. they're armed, and they have no problem in killing police officers, judges, or citizens. They have no problems. Believe me that. Believe you yeah. What I'm telling you. I know. Yeah. No, I, Ray, I'm right there with you, man. Uh, I appreciate you checking in this morning. Uh, join us at 512-836-0590. Yeah, I, I mean, you got to wonder just how many how many uh, guy, guy cartel members are, are just stationed around just little sleeper cells, just, you know, just in case something goes wrong. Austin police deal with them every day. All the time. Every day. All the time. Every day they're dealing with the cartels on some level, whether it's with human trafficking Drug smuggling, uh, the boosting of vehicles, things like that. Yeah, there's there's always some sort of level of cartel related to drugs as well. Uh, it is uh, six forty two here at KLBJ. The Todd and Oz Show. Six forty seven, the Friday edition of the Todd and Oz Show. And yeah, you could join us at five one two eight three six zero five ninety. How about a new fleet of electric buses being unveiled by the Austin School District? Yeah, the goal is for all of the 551 buses in the, the district's fleet to be electric by the year 2035. Uh, Congressman Lloyd Doggett, he says uh, this first electrified fleet 
is a step in the right direction. Anyone who was around Austin uh, over the last year knows that we just keep going hotter and hotter. Uh, and that we do have a real crisis here and that no level of government is really doing enough uh, to address it. Mm-hmm. But we're about to here. That's right. We're going to save the world and the Austin School District. Well, if it's, a, if it's an existential threat, Mr. Doggett, why are you waiting until 2035? Seems like it'd be all hands on deck. Let's ramp it up. If, if, if a fleet of electric buses is going to save the planet, then I'm all for it. Let's get to it. Yeah, well, they're not going to come cheap, so why, they have to why, tax you to death to get them. Why the slow roll? If it's if it's going to save the planet, why a slow roll? Well, well it, I, I think I think cost is probably one of the big factors. Well, the district hopes to become the first uh, in the entire. I'm being facetious, right? I'm being facetious. Yeah, well, yeah, they they yeah, say yeah. it's a threat, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, let's see. The EPA recently granted the district six point two five million dollars for uh, twenty five buses. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm glad they got priorities. I mean, you know, they're they're neat, but I mean, think think of the number of batteries that would be. I don't even know the specific number. How are they going to charge? But them? it's not going to be just one battery that it'll take. It'll be a lot of them. Did they talk about how they're going to charge them in, at the at that press conference? Uh, I, I, they might have, but my guess would be diesel power generators. Here's Kirk Watson. These are the first of three buses. They're expected to be operational by the end of this month. Uh, the driver training is currently underway. This is. A good day in Austin, Texas. I don't know. It just seems like we're spinning our wheels, right? I mean, uh, AOC says the planet's dying in 12 years. Yeah, so what do we got? We've got uh, 11 right. years to get to... Well, just in time. Just we get in to time fly. to save the world. A little bit too late, right? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, they, you know, they, they talk about how, you know, how harmful all the emissions are for kids sitting in traffic. And I don't know. I kind of got fond memories of that exhaust smell on a bus when I was a kid. I don't know. They all, I don't know, the, the buses need seat belts and air conditioning. How about that? I know that, I, I don't know about all of them. Oh, well, I mean, one, of, one of the districts, if not multiple districts around here, started buying buses or converting their buses to AC. Right. Because kids were, you know, sitting there sweating. Which also is something we used to do. Yeah. Quite common in the old days to well, sweat I, on the school bus. Well, listen, I appreciate Lloyd Doggett and Kirk Watson doing what they got to do to save our planet. It's obviously going to disappear in a decade or so. Well, I just hope this is enough. I hope this works to save the planet. It's a start. It's a start, right? It's a start. It's a start, right? But if you're just going to plug them into a diesel generator, well, you're just faking it, man. That's <laughs> You're just faking it. Well, you know, maybe the argument is we won't be spewing as many, uh, you know, as much stuff into the air all over the place. Instead, it'll just be limited Not- to, to one location there at AISD as we charge these buses that will probably take a long time to charge. Not to mention they bought them from uh, Proterra. Is that right? Did they get them from Proterra? I know, I know that Austin is contracted with Proterra. Yeah. And they, well, Capital Metro, right? Yeah, or Cap Metro, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and they went bankrupt recently. Yeah. And, and I know that Cat Metro's already spent a lot of money. The buses are going to be beautiful and quiet, aren't they? And I will give them that. Heavy. That, that'll be, heavy. That'll be nice. Very heavy. Heavy. But that quiet drive, I, heavy. Think, I think that'll be nice. Well, and here's the thing. Uh, you know, we hear about these electric buses in uh, in North Carolina. We had a story about them. The city is, is there has purchased a bunch, and there's very similar buses. And apparently they can only go about 100 miles before they have to go back to be charged again. And even less when it's cold, right? I heard that they only get about 70, less than 80 miles. I'm not sure how a bus could be used, a school bus especially, if it could only go 100 miles in the morning and then go back to the bus barn to charge into that diesel generator, only go a, another 100 miles in the afternoon. So they drive much further in some school districts. We, we definitely have a long way to go, I think, in this kind of technology before. We're, and maybe that's why the Austin district wants to take it to 2035, because they know that the technology is not there. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they convert everything now, and then everything breaks down. Mm-hmm. You know, very expensively, too. I'm sure it will not be cheap to fix those buses. Hey, listen, uh, uh, we got a new superintendent here in Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they made the big announcement last night. And uh, the group that represents uh, the teachers of Austin, the teachers union, uh, Education Austin is the name of the group. Uh, their president is Ken Zarifus. He spoke with CBS Austin, and he thinks Matthias Seguris uh, has, uh, has, has made some very important progress in special education evaluations as well as uh, getting teachers and staff a pay raise. So both with special ed and compensation, we've started in the right direction that other superintendents simply have failed to do. All right, so there was a big vote last night. Vote is unanimous. Thank you. Looks like we've got a new superintendent. 
There you go. He's he's been in the role for about a year, I guess. Yeah, close and, to. And uh, and any predictions on how long he'll be here? Because the Austin School District man can run through a superintendent in a very short period of time. So, uh, given that he's making like three hundred and sixty-two thousand dollars a year, I think the contract through twenty twenty-eight. I would hope, at least for the sake of the district district leadership, that that he chooses to stick around. You could probably get me to stick around for that kind of money. Is he doing a good job? I mean, he's he's uh, he's he's got a lot on his plate, right? He's got a big bond package. He's trying to manage. I think it was like two and a half billion dollars. Uh, got a state mandate that's overseeing the special education evaluation of students, and he's been focused on that because you know under the thumb of the state on that issue. I'm sure he would say that, well, you know, the schools need more funding from the state. That's, mm. that's kind of a typical thing for a superintendent. Sure. I, for, based on the, the reaction I've seen from the community, I, I think that, that he has satisfied a lot of people so far in, in, his, in his efforts and his role. I think, I think a lot of people in the Austin district feel like he's represented the district very well so far as, as interim. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see as, as it progresses. You know whether or not he continues to to be that guy because you know the union right now. I mean they're saying, well, yeah, he's done some good stuff, but you know he's got a whole lot more. So we're going to keep pressing him on things like housing and more pay. I'm pretty sure Segura was was at the helm when they just recently passed what might have been the largest pay increase of the district has ever had. Right. Is and it sounds te- like Ken Zarif is still unsatisfied by that. Is he? Uh, has he been a teacher before? What's his his experience? Is he is he actually taught in the classroom that sort of thing? Is he a certified teacher? I don't know. One thing I do know is they talked last night. I think he's still got to get his superintendent certification, which which they're working to get through. That was one of the items after they approved him. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We hired a superintendent that doesn't have the certification to be a superintendent? Is that what happened? We The AISD hired a superintendent that doesn't have the proper credentials to be a superintendent? Let's see. That so- seems a little fishy. It was uh, item thirteen point one on the agenda last night. Was uh, you know, selecting him. Was he, uh, he no, I mean, no. And then thirteen point two request a waiver for superintendent certification. And right at the beginning, at right afterwards, uh, was, I think it was the board president made, made mention that hey, you know, by Wait the way, on. we know that you haven't gotten your certification yet, but that will happen very soon. And then they went on to request a waiver for superintendent. Oh, he's certification. working on it. He's working. He's on working it? on it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that, I guess that's what that next item. We approved you, but since you're not certified, we need a waiver for you. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. I don't know. I could be totally wrong. I've, you know, not, I, I, I mean, don't know the full process of, of you know. He's been the intern for a year. Why not wait a few more months and get the certification, then then hire him? Why not? That's a fair question. Does that seem weird to you? No. No. No, it doesn't. Does it seem we- I mean, does it seem weird that he doesn't have a certification? I mean, this is. Yeah, it does, actually, a little this bit. This is one of the biggest school districts in the state and the country, right? Mm-hmm. Largest in the in the area, certainly. Maybe it's that difficult to find somebody to hire as a superintendent. Could be. Could be. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that, that seems like a big deal. Maybe it's not a big deal. I mean, I would think you'd want that superintendent to be a certified superintendent, right? Well, it sounds like he will be. He sounds like he's on the, on the road to be. But uh, for okay. now, they had to request a waiver. Well, why would, why would he do it now? He got the waiver. He got the job. Why go to the night classes? Just to get the way I mean get the to take the certification. Why would he do it now? What's the point? Uh, these are all these are all fair questions. I guess maybe I'm overreacting. I guess that's what it is. I'm overreacting on this Look issue. Look into it in the break and see if I can find a little dig a little deeper into that. It is uh it is uh six fifty six. You could jump in here at five one two eight three six zero five ninety. Uh there's a junior at Barber's High School. This is in uh Mount Bellevue, uh Texas. Not too far from Houston, right? I think it is. Bellevue, yeah, I think you're right. near that area. Well, there's a a story that's been circulating the news for uh, a few weeks now, and it has to do with the child's hair. Yeah, a high school student here in Texas suspended over his hairstyle uh, is getting his day in court. 18-year-old Daryl George, a junior at Barbers Hill High School in Mount Bellevue, just east of Houston, has been serving an in-school suspension since August 31st. The school district argues his braided locks violate the district's hair-length dress code. His mother, Doresha George. They said that when let down, his hair is below his eyebrows, which they never seen his hair let down. His hair is always up. The family contends his hairstyle is protected by a new state law prohibiting race-based hair discrimination. A trial date is set for February 22nd. Now, there you go. So he's he's going to court over this. So I'm looking at a picture of this kid, and 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 uh, you, know, you can tell he's got long hair, but he definitely doesn't have it, you know, hanging down anywhere. I can't imagine that that uh, that's a distraction for anyone. 
you know. I, I can't either. Uh, I, I haven't seen a picture. Let me look up a picture here of this, and it just seems kind of a silly fight. Yeah. How yeah. does this go all the way to court? He got suspended, and I guess uh, the family sued. Is that what it is? Yeah, I mean, because, you know, Texas has a new uh, a new law in place, the Crown Act, that, you know, so I guess they're making an argument that this is a race-based discrimination over his hair. Uh, I mean, looking at the picture, yeah, I guess if he took it down and the school has a policy on, you know, hair length, and if he took it down, then maybe it would be in violation. But when he's got it up, I his mean... His hair looks fine. Well, yeah, it looks perfectly fine. I Based on everything that I've heard and seen, I'm, I'm on the family side here. They're, they're, they've, they've got it. A case. Yeah, jump in here. 512-836-0590 uh, here on the Todd and Oz Show. The Todd and Oz Show. The Todd and Oz Show. Weekday mornings 5 to 10 on News Radio KLBJ. License 26099E. Smart Sense. Brought to you by Smart Air Heating and Cooling. Right now, you can save up to $3,400 on a new comfort system. Whether your furnace is no longer working like it used to, or you want to get ahead of the summer heat, it's time to call the expert heating and cooling technicians at Smart Air. Call now and take advantage of this smart offer from Smart Air. Call 512-600-4311. That's 512-600-4311. Or visit smartairaustin.com.